Okay, guys, um, uh, let me just tell you quickly uh, where we're headed in the remainder of this time that we have together. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to take you, and, and this is Islam part one. Next week, we'll, we'll finish some things up. Uh, but today, we want to talk a little bit more about Ishmael. We want to talk about Ishmael's son and those sons and those that are called the Ishmaelites. Um, and then we want to take it all the way from Ishmael to Muhammad, and then we want to get started at the end with Muhammad and understand a little bit about this guy that, that Muslims say, I mean, he, is, he is their prime prophet. And, I, and it's going to be hard for me not to give too much away from next week. Um, but, but make sure, that I mean, go and read Wikipedia this week, uh, um, and you can trust part of it, all right? But uh, go, and, go and do some research and take, take time during these, during these next couple of weeks um, to consider, to consider Islam and, and to think about maybe who your, your Muslim neighbors are, or those that, that work with you or, or that are students with you or that teach you. Consider them and think about them and, you know, during these days to where it's not, it's not just a dry discussion, but it becomes, you get a bigger picture of who, what Islam is in comparison to Jesus, but you don't miss the bridge of the people that are around you that are of the Islamic faith, your Muslim friends or neighbors. Um, we're, we will be, we'll be talking more next week just about what is, you know, what is extreme, what, what's extreme fundamentalist Islam to where these guys, they're, they're terrorists, and, and how does that contrast with the faith of, of Islam? Um, so pray, ask you guys just even to pray for me as, as I go forward with, with this as well. Um, we're uh, we're in Genesis uh, 21. Uh, last week we talked about how Ishmael, who is around maybe 15 to 17 years old at this time, is not a not a baby. 15 to 17 years old. He was picking on little Isaac, who is somewhere between two to five years old. By the time Sarah really gets ticked off, Sarah felt that Ishmael was going to harm Isaac, either physically or emotionally. Do some things that would would twist him, turn him, and, and 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 make Isaac go the wrong way. And she told Abe, she said, Abe, you've got to make Ishmael and Hagar leave the camp for good. They've got they've got to go. She caused problems years ago, and she's not she's not keeping Ishmael from causing lots of problems, and it's just going to bring destruction. Please take it away from us before it gets bad. And and, and scripture. You know, it, 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 we talked about it last week, talks about how Ishmael, even back then and even further on, man, he was a troublemaker. Troublemaker. Ab- Abraham was torn. He prays to God, and, and God tells him, yes, I want you to let your son go. Okay? Let him go. Remember, he's not, he's not a boy. He is a young man, almost, I mean, he's right on, right on the edge of being, being a man by now. And what's, what's interesting about this story is God ultimately blesses both sons. They both, they both have a lineage that's not cut off. That was the, that was the thing that, that was most fearful of a person or a clan or a tribe is that we get demolished and our names are gone and there's no more. And I'm telling you, boy, the, the, uh, the clan that came from Isaac and the clan that came from Ishmael, they certainly have produced... Um, Little does Abe know in the middle of obedience to God and sending Hagar 
Hagar away. And by, and by the way, one, one of the things about Hagar that we talked about was that she was, she was a wife and a concubine, but she was still a slave. And that some of the laws that they had allowed for, for her to be free, you know, the way that she would have to be sent away. And so even in the, in the midst of the harshness of the story, there was a freedom that came to Hagar and there was a protection that was made you know, for Isaac. Um, and Abraham just had no clue. And it sets you up for a story coming up. He had no idea that this big heartache of a decision of obedience was going to prepare him for something greater that God was going to ask for his other son. Um, so Abe uh, sends the two away, gives them food, water, provisions, and now we pick it up in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 21. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. And she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. And she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as he sat opposite her, she lifted up her voice and wept. And, and when it, you know, the, the word for child here again it, there, it's it's not it's not small it's not toddler it's it's one of its it's like an adolescent type of a term they didn't have adolescence or they didn't claim that back then but it was the the term they used before before manhood. Um, I was listening to the the Bible on on CD um, and it, when they came to this part uh, of the story they they had they had these baby noise you know of of, of of her putting the, the the baby down, you know that they're playing this dramatic music. You know, you know, you listen to some of that stuff, and they got music playing, and it'll, you know, it, it, you know, the beat starts going when things are are pretty crazy, and and the people with their voices and God said, you know, that that kind of stuff, and 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 it's pretty, it's okay sometimes, but this is one I was just like, I wanted to shoot the CD. I was like, you missed it so badly, and anybody who listens to this is just going to assume that this was just a, a little little baby, but I mean, this was. This is a, a young man to a man. And the, the problem is, is that they've run out of food, food and water, or they've run out of water at this point. Ishmael is, is dehydrated. And, and Hagar undoubtedly uh, is as well. And he needed some water or he's going to die. He's going to die. And so what, what's being done here is you've got this mom, this mother that... She lays him. She lays him down, and and she's saying, "Man, I, I can't. I can't watch him die. I mean, she's done as much as she can. He can't go any further. I mean, he's physically more stronger than her. But this really does show you some amazing things about motherhood. Is I mean, the desire, the desire to nurture. Man, it will overcome anything, anything to where." To where this, you know, no telling how strong this strapping young man was, and yet she outdid him because of her heart and her compassion for him. To where she, she wouldn't even let. And I mean, probably that mom, she probably and gave him the, some of her rations of water. And he's probably delirious by now. She puts him over. And she's like, I, I, I'm, I can't watch. I can't watch him die. She goes away. And and Moses is the one who's writing this, and and Moses, uh, he he gives he gives a, a little bit of creative foreshadowing by saying that she's about a bow bow shot away 
from him because later on it, it's, it's told that Ishmael was known as a hunter and a warrior with a bow. And so he's given to, you know, he's, he's being created. But I mean, there's more things. I mean, if you went in depth in Moses' writings, it's, it's amazing how creative and how intelligent the guy was. Um, so she has gone away. Verse 17 says, and, and God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for the Lord, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Great doesn't mean good, it just means big. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. All right. Now, um, Ishmael, uh, just as a reminder, the, the name itself means God hears. God hears. Um, what we see here, we see a, a, a form of what's called common grace. That, that man, you, even, when, even when we're not in the family of God, even if you're not a Christian, man, God, God loves us and he, he takes care of us. And he heard and he, he responded uh, in, uh, in, in this. And, and I, I just appreciate that God, He took care of me before I was a Christian. You guys, you know, who are Christians in here, man, that God didn't demolish you while you were still outside of His family. You know, He's patient with us. He, he loves us. And, 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 I mean, He just, again, I mean, he, he could just destroy the entire world because of all the sin, and yet He, he doesn't. He withholds, he withholds His wrath, and, and He gives a lot of grace, what we call a common grace, and just His goodness, the way that, the way that He provides for us. And, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, in, in a minute we're going to get to just Islam's understanding of Ishmael and, and Hagar, and even this well, some things that they say about it. But, but you know, what's, what's amazing is how God is the one that can, can only provide for us when we're thirsty unto death. And see, this is a spiritual picture that's being told here of that, that we, we are a people that we can do as much as we can in our own efforts, in our own works, but we get to the end of the line and we die there without assistance. And God's the one that He comes and He says, let me point you to the water. And, and that's what my job is as well, is, is, is to say, let me, let me point you to the water. John 7, 37 said, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. This Jesus said this. He said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And that's what Jesus is saying today. He's, he's pointing to himself. And we're just, we're just trying to point to Jesus. And just saying, look, there's a thirst in our souls that can't be quenched by anything except for Jesus. And so we're pointing, pointing people to Revelation twenty two seventeen, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus is the one that provides the water, and He is the water. Verse 20 uh, finishes up this section of the story. And God was with the boy, and He grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. Um, here's uh, 
a little bit more if you, if, uh, from Genesis 17 going backwards, talking about Ishmael, talking, God talking to Abraham where he said, As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac. That's what, that's what, God, what God said. And so God, God, was, God wasn't punishing it wasn't a punishment of Ishmael. It was simply saying that this son, Isaac, is the one of the promise. We say, well, okay, then I guess there's something better about Isaac than Ishmael. No, there wasn't. There's nothing greater about the Israelites, the Jews, than the Arabs. There's nothing greater about the Jews than the Midianites and the Edomites back then. At that time, all the reason that made them special is that God said, I will bring myself, I will bring God, I will bring the Savior, the Messiah, through you, therefore you are greatly blessed. And I will will bring my story through you, I'll tell it. God could have chosen any of those patriarchs of those nations. And, and by the way, I mean, if he'd chosen a different person and it had been a different line, we'd still scratch our head and say, well, I wonder why he chose them. We don't know. There's no reason. There's no reason other than God was pleased to go to Abram and, and, and to choose for him to be the father of the nation of Israel. But we would have asked the same question, no matter who it was, we'd still do that. Um, so then, verse 20, 21 he lived in the wilderness of Paran. His mother took her wife for him from the land of Egypt. Uh, now, by the way, Paran is, a, is an area in, in that area towards, towards Egypt. Um, and it, ha- it is nowhere near Mecca. It's nowhere near Arabia. And that's, that's important as we get into further things today and next week. Um, but he, it, he lived in Paran. And it says his mother got a wife for him. And so... Hagar gets Ishmael, an Egyptian wife. And this contrasts to Abraham in Genesis 24, which we'll get to when, when, when he pursued a godly wife for Isaac. At this point, at this point, though Hagar had been exposed to the things of God, and we don't know. We don't know exactly you know, where she was as, as far as faith. She might have placed faith in the God of Abraham. Um, however, things just go downhill from this point because at this point it doesn't. There's no indication that Hagar ever uh, married again, and so she goes back to her old culture, back to her old worldview, and that is where Ishmael continues to grow. Um, that's where he finds his wife, and it affects everything from that point on. Let's talk a little bit about Ishmael's sons, which are also called Ishmaelites. Genesis 25, verse 12, says, These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. And there's 12 of them. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Abdil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jatur, Nafish, and Kadema. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names. By their villages and by their encampments, 
12 princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the, in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his king, kingsmen. And so again, this is not, a, this is not Arabia uh, in which, which he settled. Um, but 137 years, but there was a humongous tribe, a, a large family, a large clan that was developed as, as he grew up. That is what the Bible has to say. Now let's take a look at, at uh, Ishmael and Abraham according to Islam's view because it's radically different. Um, Muslims say that, uh, that Abraham did not abandon Hagar and Ishmael. Rather, that he was the one that raised, he raised Ishmael as the son of the promise. That Ishmael was the promised one, not Isaac. Um, it was Ishmael that Abraham almost sacrificed instead of Isaac. And they've got their own, their own uh, uh, storyline to that. And the well that's, that's listed here, that's talked about here, um, they call a well that is just outside, uh, well, it's within, within Mecca, uh, or, or the outskirts. Um, it's 20 meters east of the Kaaba, which we'll talk about in just, just a moment. Um, and that it was a place that they, they say that was miraculously generated water and a, a part of the Hajj, which is, which is the, the usually once in a lifetime for at least for 10% of, the, of Muslims, um, the once in a lifetime obedience of going to their pilgrimage to Mecca, they will, they will go there. They will go to the well of Zamzam, is the name of it, and they will, will go and they'll, they'll, they'll drink of it. It's a holy, a holy, holy place. Forum, um, but they say that it was that this was where Abraham was, was. He'd sent Hagar and Ishmael out, and this was where God miraculously provided for them. Now, what they say is is that at at some point, that Abraham, uh, Hagar, and Ishmael that they migrated and they ended up uh, in Arabia and they ended up in in what would be known as Mecca. And that what, what Abraham and Ishmael did is they built, they built a shrine, which is called the Kaaba. And if you've ever seen pictures, I, I challenge you to go and, and take a look uh, online. Uh, and there is, in the, middle, in the middle of where they have about 2 million people that will gather during the Hajj, you know, during the November-December time frame of the Hajj, they, they have right in the center of it, they have the Kaaba, which is which is a black cube. It kind of looks like uh, uh, an apple building, uh, personally. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, um, it's made with uh, um, stones, and there's one black stone that's, that's on there that's encased with silver. And the people will, and we'll get into this a little more next week, but they, they will go counterclockwise about seven times, and they try to touch or to kiss this black stone. Well, the story that they have of that is, is that originally Adam, he built this, he built this, uh, um, this, the same thing. He built a Kaaba, but when the flood came, it demolished it. And so Ishmael and Abraham rebuilt this according to how Adam had built it. And it's the holiest place on earth, according to them. And, and, and when, 
when you hear about Muslims bowing and praying to the east, they're praying towards that center of Mecca, which is the Kaaba. They're praying towards that holy site, which, which some, some of their theologians would say the, gate, the gateway of heaven. Uh, plenty of others would say there's nothing special about the stone or, or the shrine itself, um, but what it represents. Um, but that's when they, when they face east, everybody's, everybody's facing that way. And the pictures, uh, if you see them, I mean, you have millions of people and they're all uh, surrounding in this, this big coliseum-looking thing and, and they're all faced and all centered, centered in. And that's when they pray. They're praying that way towards the Kaaba. Um, let me give you a quick rundown from Ishmael to Muhammad, and I'm going to read read to you a section here uh, that just just will bring you up to speed pretty quickly. Um, the prophet Ishmael was a messenger and a prophet. He was the son of Abraham and Hagar, Abraham's second wife. When Abraham was young, he received a dream from God in which he was slaughtering Ishmael. Although this was extremely difficult for Abraham to do, he proceeded anyway into the desert to sacrifice Ishmael. When Abraham told his son what God had planned, Ishmael offered himself willingly, saying, Father, do what thou art commanded. Thou wilt find me, if Allah please, steadfast. But God made Abraham's knife dull like wax, and Abraham was unable to shed Ishmael's blood. God saw both Abraham's tears and his devotion and therefore, God caused a ram to appear for Abraham to sacrifice instead of Ishmael. When Ishmael grew older, God called on Abraham and his son to go to Mecca and rebuild the mosque, the Kaaba there. The original shrine built by Adam was displaced during the flood. Upon its completion, Ishmael settled in the barren valley near the sacred house of Mecca with his mother. There he married Ishmael's progeny, there he married, and Ishmael's progeny be- became known as the Quraysh, the direct ancestors of Muhammad. Ishmael was the first prophet to write and preach of the one true God, to perform prayer with due observance in Arabic, and he is the father of all Arabs. So that gives you just a quick uh, nutshell, a snapshot of, of how they bring things from Ishmael all the way to Muhammad. They, they say that Ishmael is... Uh, the predecessor of Muhammad, um, and, and they say of all the Arabs as well. And, and we'll take some issue with, with that point uh, next week. Um, but I'm telling you, if, if you study and if you understand the life of Muhammad, you'll start to connect the dots of, of how it, uh, Muslims uh, believe and, and why they do things the way they do, how they mark their calendar, how they live their lives. Muhammad was, was born... Many years after this, he was born uh, in Mecca, Arabia, in 570, and he lived to 631 um, A.D. He he lived in Mecca, um, which was full of, of paganism, um, full of the worship of of many gods were there. In fact, the shrine, the Kaaba, already existed. It already existed then, this time, and and we'll talk about that. As well, but but the it it was built it was built for pagan for pagan worship, um, but the way that they tell the story, 
is, uh, is they take it all the way back to Adam and Abraham and Ishmael, and it was, uh, it was uh, created for the worship of the one God. But um, he, he was orphaned at, at the age of six and raised by his uncle Abu Talib. And this guy, this uncle, was a merchant, and so he, he took caravans all over. Uh, most likely, Muhammad um, was able to go into Arabia into Syria, into India, and even northern Africa with his uncle as he was growing up. And so he would have been exposed, uh, of course, to more paganism, polytheism, a, a worship of many gods. But it would have been during this time that he would have been exposed to both Judaism and to Christianity, which Christianity was growing like crazy all over the world during this time. Um, he, uh, he was a merchant he was a shepherd during this time. He ended up getting married at the age of 25, um, and he uh, he was kind of he was a poet. He was a writer, and he would get alone and he would pray. He would go away to caves, and and between 25 years old and 40 years old, he got away for for all this time, and 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 some thoughts began to come, and and some some visions occurred. It was. It was uh, at the age of 40, which is in the month of Ramadan. That's why, that's why Ramadan is such an important month uh, to uh, Muslims. This is where he received his first vision from God, so they would say. Um, and it was in this vision that he says that he was contacted by Gabriel. And he, Gabriel said that you're to write down and to obey the words that I'm going to. To give you, to write them down, and to follow, to follow these these words. Um, now, when this took place, uh, he immediately he went back to his wife and told her about this vision, about this dream that he had, because he was afraid. He was afraid that he was hearing from a jinn, J I N N, and that's that was the Arabic term for a demon. Um, and so this is what he this is what his fear was, and his wife said, "No, no, no, press in, press in, because." Because I believe this is from God. And so he pressed in. He started getting more visions, more revelations started to, started to occur. Um, it was after the first vision that he started to preach publicly that he would say God is one. He was preaching among polytheists, many, many God worshipers and pagans, that there is one God. There is one God, monotheism. And that He was the only way. Um, and so he became known as this this prophet uh, of this of this new this new way. Um, he uh, he became preaching it and, and was calling for them to not worship all these other gods, but to worship only Allah. It was the name that he he talked he talked about. And finally, though, uh, they they the people within Mecca had such a problem that that they ousted him. He had to he had to go away, and he. He fled to, to a city called Medina. And this was in, in the year 622. And, and this, um, this, is, this is what's called the Hajira. That's, that's another term that's big. And it actually marks the beginning of Islam. That right there. 622. When he fled to Medina, the Hajira, that's when Islam was officially pronounced as being a, as being a religion. He was in Medina till about... 6:30, and at this point, um, that's when 
That's when he and others then went and they took over Mecca. And we're going to come to that. We're going to come to that next next week. Um, but just so you know, within a century, within a century, Islam had spread all over North Africa, all over the Near East, even over to Spain. The word Islam itself means submission. That's what Islam means. And it's supposed to be that we're submitting to God. So here we have a guy that he was exposed to paganism, which he detested. And and, and he he got exposed a little bit to some Christianity and to some Judaism and, and, and I mean, even elements of Christianity that were that would have would have been cultic and even some elements of Judaism that would have been mystical and, and on on the bleeding edge uh, uh, and would have even called, been called cults of Judaism. Um, he has these visions. He's afraid that it might be a demon. You know, but he keeps going. He keeps going. He has further visions. He becomes very serious about living a devout life before the one God, the one God, Allah. And we're going to talk next week about whether Allah is the God of the Bible. There are many who, who would say, well, Allah and Jehovah, it's the same God. They'd say, you know what, Christians are worshiping the same God. They just have different takes on it. It's not true. Allah is not the God of the Bible. We'll talk more about the Quran um, next week. The five pillars of Islam um, and, and the life that they must live of, of, of very devoted works um, next week. As we pull back and as we kind of close today, one of the things to pull from this section in Genesis 21 that we're in, and this, this story of Hagar and, and Ishmael, is, is to note that the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, will look back and, it, and it will, it'll, point to, it'll point to Ishmael as being basically the flesh, and Isaac as being life in the Spirit. That Ishmael becomes personified as representing the rejection of God and Isaac as walking in the Spirit. And, and, and just know that it's, it's not talking about those people in particular because trust me, Isaac, Isaac was no perfect lad. He was no perfect man. He had a lot of problems. He was not the hero. God is. But those men and what took place and, and the families that came after them represent the rejection of the God of Abraham and the following of the God of Abraham. And don't even be mistaken to think that all who are Jews you know, uh, come to faith in, in God and, and are believers. Because it's not about the flesh, those that are born to bodies, but it's about those who are born in spirit. Um, Ishmael had lots of problems. So did Isaac. So do you. So do me. It's still upon you and to me to not be an Ishmael and to not reject God, the God of the Bible. And our call, my call to you is that, is that you would turn to Jesus. Those of you who are already Christians, that you would still come to Jesus. You draw near to Him. Not come to Him to justify you or to bring forgiveness 
again because you're no longer condemned, but that you would come to Him and say, I still I want to rely upon you instead of relying upon my works. I want to rely upon grace today rather than what I can do or what I don't do or where I've screwed up or even where I've been fan- fantastic and been victorious. I don't want... I don't want to put my emphasis there. I just want to put, put my emphasis not on my works, but upon the works of Jesus. And those of you guys who you find out and God reveals to you, ah, this today, next week, you know what? Wow, I, I'm an Ishmael. As, as we look next week of just the, the difference between focusing on your works versus the work of Jesus. That you just say, you know what, I've been standing on my own two feet. And I'm, I'm a failure there. I, I can't get close enough to God. I must trust in, in God and, and rest in His works in, instead of my own. And I invite you, if you're not a Christian in here today, that today, right now, that you surrender and you say, okay, Jesus, I, I surrender. Take me, forgive me, make me new. I trust in Your works from now on instead of my own. Lastly, just the last point I think we can't miss from this story is the story of compromise. I mean, God promised to, God promised to bless Abraham, you guys. He, he, Abraham did not believe God and he compromised by taking another sex partner, Hagar. His compromise is still seen today in the Middle East. Jews looked to Isaac as their, their dad. Most Arabs looked to Ishmael as, as their dad. And they fight as only sibling rivalry can bring towards death. But I want you to know, there is a true son of Isaac. There's a Messiah. There's a Jesus. That He is the one and the only one that actually can bring peace to Jews and to Arabs. But it's not a peace between that comes between them it's a peace that comes between them and God which makes them reconciled to one another but Abraham didn't believe God he didn't trust God do you trust God do you trust God to lead you you know even in 10 years or 20 years from now I mean whatever life station you're in right now you may be a student you may be single you may be married don't have any kids but you know what 10 years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now all that's going to be radically different do you not only trust God today but you trust him for them if you trust him for them then there are things God is going to bring in your path right now that you'll be tempted to compromise you'll be impatient Or maybe you just will say, I don't know if God will really pull through for me, so I'm going to have to do this myself. Guys, look at Abraham. He listened to his own impatience. He listened to his own heart, which said, believe yourself instead of God. And look at the incredible problems in our world as a result of that. You've got some things in front of you right now, and you may say, well, man, it's not going to turn out like the Middle East. How do you know? How do you know? Believe God. Don't compromise. Lord, uh, help us. Help us to analyze uh, the areas of our own compromise that are in front of us now. Help us to dig our well before we're thirsty and just say, God, no matter what I come to, I'm going to be faithful to you. 
I can be faithful to you. God, help us to trust the the God of the Bible. Uh, Even as we talk next week about the Quran versus the Bible and how trustworthy the New Testament, the Old Testament is, we can trust it. We can trust you. We can trust this faith. Help us, God, to take it to the next level. Save people in here today and change those who are already Christians. Help us uh, to love you and to love others as you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen.